Please uh, turn with me, if you would, to the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah, uh, we'll be reading chapter 58 together as our uh, scripture passage that we want to focus on uh, this morning. Uh, We're going to begin this morning, if you read your bulletin, begin a a short series of sermons considering together the fourth uh, commandment, considering together the uh, the Christian Sabbath, uh, the Lord's Day. And so we'll take a few weeks to to look at that together. And so this morning we're going to begin uh, with the heart uh, of the matter, uh, which we find in Isaiah uh, chapter 58. And so this is the word of the Lord. Cry aloud, do not hold back, lift up your voice like a trumpet, declare to my people their transgression, to the house of Jacob their sins. Yet they seek me daily and delight to know my ways as if they were a nation that did righteousness and did not forsake the judgment of their God. They ask of me righteous judgments. They delight to draw near to God. Why have we fasted and you see it not? Why have we humbled ourselves and you take no knowledge of it? Behold, in the day of your fast, you seek your own pleasure and oppress all your workers. Behold, you fast only to quarrel and to fight, to hit with a wicked fist. Fasting like yours this day will not make your voice to be heard on high. Is such the fast that I choose? A day for a person to humble himself? Is it to bow down his head like a reed, to spread sackcloth and ashes under him? Will you call this a fast and a day acceptable to the Lord? Is not this the fast that I choose? To loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, to break every yoke. Is it not to share your bread with the hungry, bring the homeless poor into your house when you see the naked to cover him and not to hide yourself from your own flesh? Then shall your light break forth like the dawn and your healing shall spring up speedily. Your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call and the Lord will answer. You shall cry and he will say, here I am. If you take away the yoke from your midst, the pointing to the finger and speaking wickedness. If you pour yourself out for the hungry and satisfy the desire of the afflicted, then shall your light rise in the darkness and your gloom be as the noonday. And the Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your desire in scorched places and make your bones strong. And you shall be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. Your ancient ruins shall be rebuilt. You shall raise up the foundations of many generations. You shall be called the repairer of the breach the restorer of streets to dwell in. If you turn back your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, and the holy day of the Lord honorable, if you honor it, not going your own ways, or seeking your own pleasure, or talking idly, then you shall take delight in the Lord. And I will make you ride on the heights of the earth. I will feed you with the heritage of Jacob, your father, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you uh, for ancient words, ever true. So Lord, we pray that by your Holy Spirit, you would again take your ancient words today and do by your spirit what you've been doing for all history, taking those words and changing us for your glory, and for our good. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Well, you would have noticed uh, in this passage, uh, there is a word that occurs several times, uh, and it is the word uh, delight. The word delight means a high degree of gratification or pleasure, joy, rapture, uh, extreme satisfaction. It means to take great pleasure or to give keen enjoyment. It means a feast, joy, exalt, glory. I recently read an internet post of things that delight you. So see if you can relate to these things. Things that delight you. The sound of pencil on paper. Puppy breath. (laughs) Roller skating. Laughing so hard that even after you stop, you keep having fits of laughter. The back of a baby's neck, especially after a nap. The sound a basketball makes as it swishes through the hoop. Paws of sleeping kittens. The smell of dirt. The chink sound of a metal bat connecting with the baseball on a hot summer night. Uh, The smell of autumn fallen leaves in the woods. The full moon sparkling on water. Rainy mornings when you have the day off. Uh, The new car smell. Skipping stones. Finding a parking space. Seeing a shooting star. Gumball machines. Holding hands. The smell of crayons. Finding the perfect present for someone. Making someone laugh out loud. Kites. Boat rides. Merry-go-rounds. Camping. A good cry. Swinging on swings. Or going home. Psalm 37.4 says, Delight yourself in the Lord, and He will give you the desires of your heart. Isaiah 58 says, Call the Sabbath a delight, and the holy day of the Lord honorable, then you shall take delight in the Lord. This morning we're going to consider, as I mentioned, uh, begin a short series of sermons on the fourth commandment, which reads like this. Remember the Sabbath day, to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who's within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that's in them and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Uh, But we begin uh, with Isaiah 58 to consider uh, the heart of the matter. What do you delight in? Well, uh, this passage opens, of course, with the Lord clearly not delighting in something. Uh, It starts with the Lord not delighting uh, in the life of his people. And it describes to us, first of all, uh, the unacceptable day of false worship. Notice how the passage begins. Uh, Cry aloud, do not hold back, lift up your voice like a trumpet. This is God speaking to Isaiah, the prophet, to speak to the people. Declare to my people their transgression, to the house of Jacob their sins. And then verse 5, is such the fast that I choose, a day for a person to humble himself? Is it to bow down his head like a reed and to spread sackcloth and ashes under him? Will you call this a fast and a day acceptable to the Lord? Now, this chapter starts as a uh, a clarion call for God's people to repent, along with a glorious promise of delight in the Lord. The passage starts with a a call to repent and ends with a glorious promise of delight in the Lord. Now, we see it clearly in verse 1, cry aloud. It means to shout it. It means to proclaim with the throat. That is, no whispering here, no conversational speech here for Isaiah. He's supposed to call out at the top of his voice. The trumpet here is the shofar. 
the same word used for the trumpet blast at the foot of Mount Sinai in Exodus 19. Remember that? When the Lord met with Moses on the mountain to declare his law to his people, and there's these trumpet blasts uh, as the Lord is about to speak. Now, what needs to be declared by Isaiah, we find out here, is the people's transgression and sins. Transgression here means rebellion, uh, a crossing over, uh, a transgressing of the ways of God. Now, and what does this rebellion actually consist? Uh, what are the sins of God's people here? Now, it's interesting, as you read through verses 2 to 5, you find out that it's actually a day of fasting that the people are engaging in. And what is described in verses 2 through 5 is, is an act of worship. It's an act of worship. Uh, it's a part of the religious life of the people of God. Verse 2, that they seek me daily, delight to know my ways as if they were a nation that did righteousness and did not forsake the judgment of their God. In other words, that is what they're doing. They ask of me righteous judgments. They delight to draw near to God. They love to bring these sacrifices. They love to come. Why have we fasted, they say, and you see it not? Why have we humbled ourselves and you take no knowledge of it? So they are in a day of fasting. They're performing their religious ceremony, but they're complaining because they don't, they don't seem to be getting any response from God. Nothing seems to change. First note, of course, that to all appearances, their practice here in these first couple of verses seems praiseworthy. The Bible says actually they're seeking God daily. It actually uses the word delight. They show some kind of delight to know his ways. They're looking for righteous judgments. They delight to draw near, verse 3. They're fasting, and they're certainly a profession of humility because the Lord says, you bend over like a reed, like a bulrush. So this sounds like commitment and devotion. But the Lord goes to the heart of the matter. And the problem is, the Lord says, your motivation in this day. You are seeking, he says in verse 3, Behold, in the day of your fast, you seek, not me, but your own pleasure. And how they actually spend the day, how they are actually living throughout that day, and this day of fasting is, again, not drawing close to God, not seeking God, but actually here, the Lord describes this scene of them oppressing others. Uh, it's that same uh, word, oppression, that's used of the Egyptian taskmasters in the beginning of Exodus, right, where God's people are under the, the burden of their taskmasters. They're oppressed. And God says, as God's people, you, you declare a fast day, but you, you, you oppress others. You're quarreling. You're fighting. Uh, there is a fruitless, fruitlessness to your, uh, to your efforts. Fasting like yours this day will not make your voice to be heard on high. This is not the fast, the Lord says, that I choose. Is this an acceptable day to the Lord? And the obvious answer of the Lord through Isaiah to the people is no. So what is the sin? The point here, the Lord says, there's no blessing. There is no spiritual fruit. There is no actual drawing near to or delighting in or communing with the Lord, despite the fact that you go through all the ceremony, all the ritual, all the physical gymnastics, all the attention to detail, all the formal performance. There is no blessing when your heart is not focused on the Lord, but yourself. And he says, when you are treating uh, when you are treating your neighbor like dirt in your life. In other words, whatever the ritual, if you're not loving God and loving your neighbor, right? Um, it is an unacceptable day of false worship. Listen to uh, Bible commentator Alec Motyer. The exposing word of God 
comes to people who are very religious in this passage, but they find no satisfaction in their religion. Somehow, God is not responding to them. Put bluntly, however, the religion which is exposed here rests on Canaanite principles. The essence of Canaanite religion was to put the gods under pressure to perform their functions. This is the spirit which verse 3 reveals. They act, the Bible says, as if they were a nation that does what is right. But the motive is to pressure the Lord into response, and hence their dismay that so much afflictive piety has attracted no divine attention. They're getting nothing out of it. The essence, writes Matyur, of Israelite religion, however, is response. Not doing things to influence the Lord, but doing them to obey Him. Not works looking for reward, but faith acting in obedience. These folks were seeking to manipulate the Lord. They would love to come. They loved to come. But the Lord wasn't doing what they wanted Him to do. Friends, the question is, what does the Lord think of such worship and approaching Him in this way? That is, when we come, not in love for Him, but in love with ourselves. Well, the beginning of the prophet Isaiah's book uh, begins this way in chapter 1, where we have one of the most uh, challenging words from the prophet, and one of the most challenging words of the Lord to his people. And this is what he says, Isaiah 1.10. Hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom, give ear to the teaching of our God, you people of Gomorrah. What to me? Now he's talking to um, his people, but he calls them Sodom and Gomorrah. That's not good. That's not good. Verse 11, what to me is the multitude, says the Lord, of your sacrifices. I have had enough of burnt offerings and rams and the fat of well-fed beasts. I do not delight in the blood of bulls or of lambs and goats. When you come to appear before me, he says, who has required of you this trampling of my courts? Bring no more vain offerings. Incense is an abomination to me. New moon and Sabbath and the calling of convocations. I cannot endure iniquity and solemn assembly. Your new moons and your appointed feasts my soul hates. They have become a burden to me. I am weary of bearing them. When you spread out your hands, I'll hide my eyes from you. Even though you make many prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are full of blood. Our confession in chapter 21 of the Westminster Confession of Faith talks about you know, that God has created us for worship, but he's created us to worship him in the way that he has revealed to us in his word. And that we don't just come to the Lord in any way that, that we conjure up as, as being pleasing and good and right. But the Lord is the one who reveals to us how he would be worshipped. And there is such a thing as unacceptable worship. That is worship that is not in spirit, that is from within, from our spirits, from our hearts, and in truth. That is according to the word of God. So friends, this is where we start. There is such a thing as unacceptable worship. And so as we begin our study of the commandment, the fourth commandment, we start here. When it comes to worship, the question, friends, is not, what did I, what did I get out of worship? The question in the Bible is, was the Lord pleased with my worship? Did I worship the living God in spirit and in truth that is from the heart and according to his word? That's where we start. Is the Lord pleased with our worship? The unacceptable day of false worship. Secondly, 
we have here the promise of blessing in the way of the Lord. Verse 6, is not this the fast that I choose, says the Lord, to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the straps of the yoke, to let the oppressed go free, to break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry and bring the homeless poor into your house when you see the naked to cover him, not to hide yourself from your own flesh? Verse 9, second part, if you take away the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger, that means the accusing others and speaking wickedness. If you pour yourself out for the hungry, satisfy the desire of the afflicted, then shall your light rise in the darkness and your gloom be as the noon day. So here's the thing. It's not that the Lord is opposed in this passage to fasting or a day of fasting, but how that day is spent as evidence of the commitment of the heart and whether or not the heart is after God. In this worship, the contrast here pointed out in these verses is between seeking your own pleasure and caring for others on the day of fast. Instead of oppressing your workers, letting the oppressed go free. Instead of hitting with a wicked fist, that simply means quarreling or fighting, arguing, loosing the bonds of wickedness. Some believe that this refers to the fact that some of the Israelites who, even though they might have had Hebrew slaves who were servants to them for a time, they were supposed to let them go after a certain amount of time, but they wouldn't do it. They would just keep them in, in bondage. Let them go free. Instead of pleasing yourself, sharing your bread with the hungry and pouring yourself out for them, bringing the homeless poor into your house, satisfying the desire of the afflicted and clothing the naked rather than looking the other way. This, the Lord, this pleases me. This is, this is a, a, a true day of fasting when, when your heart is for me and your heart is for your neighbor. You're loving God and, and you're loving your neighbor. This is time well spent. This is a fast day, the Bible says, that delights the Lord. And we know, of course, this is what actually pleases uh, King Jesus as well. Because when you get to the Gospels and you get to Matthew 25 and you get to Jesus uh, speaking, of course, about the sheep and the goats, he says, as you did it for the least of these, you did it for me. Visiting someone in prison, giving clothing the naked, uh, feeding the hungry. This is what this is what it's all about, living out a heart of love for God and love for your neighbor in your actual living. This is what pleases the Lord, bonds of wickedness, undoing straps of every yoke, uh, everything that, uh, you know, tends to treat others like animals we could think about, you know, get rid of those yokes on, um, instead of oppression, freedom. Really, uh, the Lord said, this is what pleases me, love your neighbor as yourself. Now, here's the thing. Instead of delighting then in seeking their own pleasure on that day of fast, now the word own pleasure, I mean, the word pleasure there could mean just business. It just means uh, things pertaining to yourself. So instead of seeking your own pleasure, your own business, the Lord says, love your neighbor. You know, may that be uh, what's gripped your heart. That's pleasing to me on a day of fast. So the Lord is saying through Isaiah, what he would say through the Apostle John many years later in 1 John 4, 20 and 21. Remember that? We looked at John a little while ago. Remember what the Lord said? He said, no one, no one can say they love God and hate their brother. It's just not, John said, it's just not, it just, it's not true. Whoever professes to love God but uh, oppresses their brother this way. If whoever professes to love God and comes to worship him in any form, whatever, maybe in a day of fast, but if they are hating their neighbor, it's all, it's all, it's, it's all a mockery. And, uh, and the Lord says, that's a burden to me. Isn't that amazing? We think sometimes 
You know, sometimes we, sometimes we might come to worship the Lord and we think, oh, this is such a burden. You ever think about how the Lord finds our hypocritical, cold hearts in worship a burden to himself? That's what the Bible says. So there's no true worship. There's no true love of God. If you are indifferent to the needs of those around you, that's what he's saying. Worship then is not simply about you and God. Even in a day of fast, it's not about simply you and God. It's about you, God, uh, and your neighbor. Verse 7 says, it's not, is it not to share your bread with the hungry? Bring the homeless poor into your house. And when you see the naked, to cover him, not to hide yourself uh, from your own flesh. To hide yourself there means to turn away. To ignore fellow human beings in need. Uh, Deuteronomy 22, 1 talks, uh, the, the God's people are commanded. You know, when you see a uh, loose, a stray ox or something like that in the field, don't ignore it. Don't turn away from it. Gather it up. Take it back to the owner. You know, don't, don't, don't turn away from it. So, so that has to do with God's creatures. But here, I'll say, don't turn away from your own flesh. And immediately you, you should be thinking, you should be thinking the, uh, the parable of the Good Samaritan. And you're thinking of a priest and a Levite walking along the road. And here's a neighbor in need. And they're professing religion. They profess to know the Lord, right? And they, but they hide their eyes from their own flesh. They turn away. They ignore it. Nah, someone else will deal with that problem. It's not my, not my concern. I got to go. But I'm good with the Lord. No. No. It says the Lord throws it. That's not true. Friends, far too much... When you say far too much religion and acts of worship and professing Christians are focused on what Isaiah says is their own business, their own pleasure, rather than the Lord's business, the Lord's pleasure, far too focused on our own pleasure rather than the needs of our neighbors. Well, what's the promise when we love God by loving our neighbor? Well, this is what the Lord says, verse 8. Then, so don't ignore your own flesh. Then shall your light break forth like the dawn. It'll be like new life. Your healing shall spring up speedily. Your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. That is, the Lord will be in front of you and behind. Uh, Just like the Israelites, as they were uh, brought out of Egypt, the Lord was before them and behind them, protecting them, securing them. The righteousness, we find out in Isaiah 53, that righteousness comes from the Lord. It's not our own righteousness. The Lord provides that righteousness. He goes before us. He goes behind us when we're walking in this way that pleases the Lord. There's blessings abounding, healing in verse 8. Uh, and uh, there's, there's righteousness, as I mentioned, provided by the Lord. Gloom and darkness, Isaiah says, will pass away. The Lord guiding, satisfying, strengthening, nourishing, replenishing, uh, watering, and rebuilding. Verse 11 talks about you'll be like a, a watered garden, like a spring water whose waters do not fail. Now remember, this is coming to a people uh, who are in the deserts of Israel, dry and, and dusty, like Arizona, you know? Um, and uh, you will be like a watered garden. You know how valuable and precious and amazing and uh, a watered garden would be in the desert? The Lord says, this is, this is all comes from me as you walk in my ways. But best of all, 
Best of all, the Lord says, when you seek the fast that pleases me, you will have communion with God. Notice what he says, verse 9. Then, remember, God's not answering. God's not responding. Then, says the Lord through Isaiah, then you shall call and the Lord will answer. That's what it says. You shall cry and he will say, here I am. Or behold me. Now, wait a minute. Here I am. Have you heard that phrase before? Here I am. You heard that phrase before? Yeah. When the Lord called Abraham, Abraham said, here I am. When the Lord called Samuel, Samuel said, here I am. When Isaiah heard the Lord say, whom shall I send? Isaiah said, here I am. This is the, this is the language in the Bible of, um, uh, 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 in response of a servant. And yet here it is the blessed promise of God. And when you are walking in the ways of God, there is communion with God. You call, he answers, and here I am. You, there's this, as Jesus said in, in, uh, in John 15, abide in me. Right? Apart from me, you can do nothing. Abide in me. Abide in my love. And I abide in you. Union and communion with the Lord. Jesus, here's the thing, right? Jesus came not to be served, but to serve. Jesus comes and says, here I am. Right? So walking in the ways of the Lord, secondly, in this passage, means blessing for God's people. That way is the way of love for neighbor, not love of self. Three things here. The unacceptable day of false worship. God wants our heart. There's a promise of blessing in the way of the Lord. All our religious ceremonies don't mean anything if we are not loving our neighbor. And then uh, Isaiah comes by the Lord to the holy day of delight-filled worship that the Lord has provided for his people. Notice what he says. If you turn back your foot from the Sabbath, from doing your pleasure, verse 13, on my holy day, and call the Sabbath a delight, and the holy day of the Lord honorable. If you honor it, not going your own ways, or seeking your own pleasure, or talking idly, then you shall take delight in the Lord. And I will make you ride on the heights of the earth. I will feed you with the heritage of Jacob, your father, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. So just look at that last phrase, and that'll tell you whatever we've just been uh, reading in Isaiah 58, whatever the point of this passage is, know at the end of this passage that this comes from the Lord himself, from the mouth of the Lord. Well, what does he say? Well, uh, he tells us uh, that uh, we are to call the Sabbath a delight. Now, to call the Sabbath a delight is to regard it, acknowledge it, and experience it as such. Now, the word delight there is actually a stronger word. It actually means uh, exquisite delight. Exquisite. You ever use the word exquisite? Probably not very often. Exquisite delight? This chapter, friends, is about identifying our true delight, calling us away from that which does not satisfy, right? The beginning of the passage, a self-absorbed life calling us to walk in the way of the Lord, which brings true blessing, loving our neighbor, 
And it's about uh, uh, expressing uh, the fact that we find our true delight, our exquisite delight in the worship of the living God on the day that He has given to us, set apart for Him. Not a fast day, but a feast day here. This is what we're called to. The Sabbath here in Isaiah 58 is the Sabbath of the fourth commandment. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. It's the Sabbath of Deuteronomy. Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy. It's one of the Ten Commandments written in stone with the finger of God. The moral law of God that what we confess is a perpetual rule that is for all time, all places, a perpetual rule of righteousness. And so for the Ten, the ten Commandments are for you and I as the people of God, not only a rule that convicts us of sin, it does that, right? When we see the holy God and... And what pleases him, it convicts us of our sin. Not only does it do that, not only does it drive us to Jesus, we need forgiveness. Because as Paul said, if I hadn't had the law of God, I wouldn't have known what sin really is. But when I have the law of God, I really feel the sinfulness of sin. That's rebellion against the king. So it does that for the Christian. But that's not all it does. It also provides for us a way of living in gratitude for such a great salvation. And the Lord says, this is how you might, as those who have been saved, as it was for the, and to be, for the people of Israel, I've just saved you through almighty acts of power and grace and mercy. You've been brought out of slavery to Egypt. You're my people. This is how you live as the people of God. Now, the problem was, Now, when it came to this commandment, God's people were not calling the Sabbath a delight and the holy day of the Lord honorable. Instead of being the holy day, it was wholly forgotten. It was treated as just like any other day, much as the Lord's day today might be considered, well, it's a a second Saturday. You know, I didn't get done the... Stuff, the work at home I was going to do on Saturday. I've got a second Saturday. This is awesome. Um, is how the folks treated that day. Well, how so? How, how, what was really happening here? Well, instead of understanding that the Sabbath was the holy day of the Lord, or as it's called here by the Lord, my holy day, the people were pursuing, the Bible says, their own pleasure. Again, their own business doing their own pleasure, seeking their own pleasure, and going their own ways instead of in the way of the Lord. And it's all contrasted, friends, with its opposite. That is calling the Sabbath a delight, honoring it as the Lord's holy day, seeking His pleasure, that is, seeking His business, His purposes. What is His purpose for me on this holy day? Going in His way, Using our words for his pleasure, not as uh, the Lord says through Isaiah here, not talking idly. That means chit-chat. It really means just speaking where God speaking is where God is not even concerned in our conversations at all. And he's ignored. As if it wasn't the day to glorify him. In other words, the Christian, friends, is called here to careful, thoughtful, living to honor the day that the Lord has set apart as holy for our good and for our growth 
in grace. And the Bible says the Sabbath is that day. It is the holy day. It is a set-apart day. It is my day, says the Lord. Now, we have lots of holy days, don't we? They're called holidays, short for holy days, holidays. We've got New Year's Day. We've got President's Day, we've got Memorial Day, Independence Day, Christmas Day, Birthday, Groundhog Day, Thanksgiving Day, Grandparents Day, Star Wars Day, and much more. This past Thursday was designated by our current government as International Transgender Day of Visibility. Here's the headline, White House celebrates Transgender Day of Visibility by endorsing sex change procedures for children. The White House on Thursday endorsed puberty blockers, cross-sex hormones, and sex change surgeries for children and teens, confused about their sexual identity. Now, some of those days I just listed, they're worth celebrating, some not. But what they all have in common is this. They are all set apart by man, not by God. There is, though, one day that the Bible says God has set aside. Just one. It's called the Sabbath. It's called my holy day. It's called the holy day of the Lord. In the New Testament, it's called the Lord's day. It is in that day that we are called to hear delight. Now, why and how to do that is something we're going to be looking at more carefully in weeks to come. But note this, first of all, there is a promise of God here. Call the Sabbath a delight, verse 14. Then you shall take delight in the Lord. A true honoring of this holy day is an expression of the delight we find ourselves in the Lord Himself exquisite delight. The holy day of God, uh, truly delighted in, the Bible says, is a means of grace drawing us to the Lord Himself. What is it to delight in the Lord? 1740, New England theologian Jonathan Edwards composed a brief personal narrative that recounted his religious development and experience. And the pivot of his uh, narrative was his account of the inward sweet delight in God, he said, that enveloped him as he meditated over a passage of scripture. Here was the verse that he was meditating on. Now unto the king eternal, immortal, invisible, the only wise God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. And uh, the narrative says that as he read these words, this is what he says. As I read those words, there came into my soul And was, as it were, diffused through it a sense of the glory of the divine being. A new sense, quite different from anything I ever experienced before. And then as he's contemplating Christ and the glory, he says, I I found a calm, sweet abstraction of soul from all the concerns of this world and a kind of vision or fixed ideas and imaginations of being alone in the mountains or some solitary wilderness far from all mankind, sweetly conversing with Christ. Wrapped and swallowed up in God. There came into my mind a sweet sense of the glorious majesty and grace of God that I know not how to express. I seem to see them both in a sweet conjunction. Majesty and meekness. 
joined together. It was a sweet and gentle and holy majesty and also a majestic meekness, an awful sweetness, a high and great and holy gentleness. That's Jonathan Edwards describing delight in God. Sunday is a day to delight in, the Bible says. A day like no other in your week. And when you're able to call the Sabbath a delight that is regarded as such, acknowledge it as such, experience it as such, you will find, the Bible says, your delight in the Lord. Because, of course, it's with the gathered people of God who gather on the Sabbath that you meet through the preaching of the Word and the work of the Holy Spirit, the living God. And the Lord says here through Isaiah, there's blessings, there's strength and confidence. You'll ride on the heights of the, uh, of the, of, of the land. That's an image of triumphant uh, conquering. And you'll be fed uh, the heritage of your father, Jacob. You will be filled. You will be nourished. You will have confidence in the Lord. You'll see yourself, as the Bible says, as seated in heavenly places with Jesus Christ. And then you can, then you can be encouraged again to go through that new week with the Lord. Friends, do you call the Sabbath a delight? Not false worship, not self-seeking pleasure, but joy-filled delight in the Lord. Let me just end with this again from Alec Montier. He said this, For in every sense, the Sabbath brings us to the heart of the matter. It is a real test, said Montier, of heart religion to give a whole day to God and to do it with delight. The Sabbath, he said, is first a call to consecrate life's timetable to God, to adopt, uh, to adopt a style for six days, which allows the seventh to be a day set apart. But he says these last two verses, oh boy, they go beyond getting the timetable right. They're dominated by the word delight. The heart is so captivated by God that the day set apart is a joy. This is the reason for the Sabbath emphasis. It is the symbol of a whole life and heart devoted to the Lord. Well, who's this day for? When was it established? How can I honor it today? And what has Jesus Christ done to intensify the delight we are to find in it? Well, may God help us to call the Sabbath a delight, holy day rather than holy forgotten, so that we too will take delight in the Lord of the Sabbath. Maybe so. Let's pray uh, together. Heavenly Father, O oh Lord, we thank you for your grace to us. We thank you that you have provided for us, Lord, one day in seven, Lord, that we might delight ourselves in you, delight ourselves in your word as the early church being devoted to the, to the apostles' teaching, to the breaking of bread, to, to prayer, and, and to the fellowship. Oh, Lord, you have told us that when we find our, 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 our delight in the Sabbath, when we can call the Sabbath a delight, when we can regard it a delight, experience as a delight, then we know that we have found our delight in 
the Lord himself. Help us, Lord, not to be self-seeking our own pleasure. Help us to love you, to love our neighbor. Help us, Lord, to know this delight that only you can give to us by your Holy Spirit. And we thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ who shows us uh, what it truly means to delight in this, the Lord's day. When we celebrate your grace, mercy to us, and especially the gift of your Son. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.